We're going to go to Mark chapter 5 this morning to your Bible, the Gospel of Mark, and chapter number 5. Thanks to everyone that prayed as I went out to uh, South Carolina to uh, Trevin Wolfram, Miss Brianna's wedding. I had a beautiful wedding, very thankful that I was able to be there. They're smitten. They don't know what they got themselves into yet, but they'll figure it out here. As time goes by, they'll figure it out. Very thankful for those two young people, and they just did it right. They just waited for the one that God had for them, and I'm thankful. I believe God's going to use them in time to come. Thanks for the safe travel. Uh, Flew out there on Thursday, flew back last night, and it was a quick trip. Not sure whether I was coming or going, but I appreciate your prayers for safety and travel and all of those different different things. Danielle Shannon had her baby. Yep, Hannah Kay. Hannah Kay Shannon. I said, she's beautiful. I've seen a picture. She's, she's, I'm a grand pastor once again. I'm happy. Yep, eight pounds even. Weighing in at eight pounds even. And 21 inches tall, and I look forward to meeting her. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Safe arrival into the world, and I'm very thankful and very happy for Miss Danielle and, and uh, Brother Aaron. And uh, just a, a miracle, isn't it? Come on, birth, new child, just really a miracle. Very thankful. Okay, Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. <clears throat> and always, night and day, he came in, uh, uh, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. 
And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I want to preach this morning on this subject. Thankful for transforming grace. For transforming grace. Let's pray and we'll get on into it. Heavenly Father, again, one last time before we get on into the message, we pray for your power and guidance, Lord, clarity of thought and speech, and just the ability to stay on track with what you have for us this morning, uh, that you would uh, speak to us through this message, through your word today, and help us with it. Lord, we're very thankful to be in this place, but we want to leave knowing that you've been here and that you have done what we can't do. We prayed this morning that you would do what no man can take credit for. Bless and help us now. We pray that you will and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. Thirty-seven years ago, this past April, I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Pardon me. I was pretty much helpless and hopeless. Just an old junkie. My life was an absolute mess. But Jesus found me. I'm thankful He came looking for me when I was not looking for Him. And as I called upon Him that morning, He saved my soul. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. You know, God's not only in the saving business, he's in the life-changing business. And he wants to do that for us. And that truth is demonstrated in our text this morning. I mean, we read of a man whose life was changed dramatically and very powerfully transformed by the mighty grace of God. We're saved by God's grace. And if we're ever changed, we're changed by God's grace. Truly. Um, God's grace wipes out the guilt of our past and, 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 and gives us a brand new start in life. A new start in life. We may have things to overcome after we're saved by the grace of God, but He will help us with His grace, to overcome those things. Because, uh, well, as it was stated earlier, uh, once He comes, He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is there, wanting us to live a victorious Christian life. One Bible commentator defined grace this way. He said, God's grace is His active favor bestowing the greatest gift upon those who have deserved the greatest punishment. I know what I deserved before I got, hell, I got saved. I deserved hell. That's exactly what I deserved, yeah. But that's not what he gave me. He gave me new life. Jesus in grace came to rescue fallen man from the worst possible fate, an eternity in hell. And, and, and gives to them the greatest of all benefits, a home in heaven. My name is now written in heaven somewhere. Right. 
I, I can't wait to see the book. I want to see it written in there one of these days. I have a place reserved for me when I, live this, when I leave this life. I've got a wonderful home reserved for me. I, no, 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 it's true. It's true. Grace rescues lost sinners from an eternal hell. But it does much more than that. Grace not only saves us, but it changes us. And I, I'll just go ahead. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm telling you, if you made a profession of faith, but it's never changed you in any way, you probably didn't get it. Now, I'm not trying, no, no, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm not, no, no, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you, but it's something as big as God cannot move into your life without something happening about it. And I understand, well, don't you believe in backsliding? Believe in it. That's Baptist. Practice it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know you can get away from God after you're saved. I've been there. I hate it. I hate that part of my life. I hate that part of my testimony. I hate it. But I'm telling you, even if you do get away from God, if you're, if you're actually saved by the grace of God, you can't stay away from God. No, he, he works in such a way, trying to draw you back, trying to draw you back, trying to get you back to that place. He wants to change our lives. Salvation gives us new life. And it also gives us newness of life. Come on, I got saved out of that horrible lifestyle, and before long, I'm, I mean, it wasn't long at all. I'm wanting to go to church, and I'm wanting to read my Bible, and I'm wanting to pray to God, and I'm thankful for the changes that He's making. No, no, changes I never thought that I could make in my life, and changes that I tried to make in my life along the way. You know, turning over new leaves, and I'll never do that again, and, and boy, if I can just do this, and I'll never do it again, whatever the case may be, and I got saved by the grace of God, and all of a sudden, I had victory in those areas of my life. Because he does give victory. He can give victory. And he wants us to live a victorious Christian life. I mean, it's that newness of life that I want to consider and look at this morning in this passage of Scripture. We know that grace received this man. Grace received a man who others had rejected. When we read this story, this account of man's life is ruined by sin, and he's been rejected by society, and we naturally tend to focus on this man and his condition. And I say naturally because even though we weren't there, even though we're reading a story uh, that is 2,000 plus years old, a retelling of the story, in our mind's eye, our attention, I believe, is immediately drawn to this man. I mean, we can picture him, this, this man living, living in, 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 in the graveyard, living among the tombs, and, and he's an unclean man. I mean, literally covered with filth. Can you imagine? No, I mean, he's been living there all this time. He's literally covered in filth. You can imagine that his hair is probably all matted together with dirt and grease and oil and all those things. His, his skin is caked with his skin is caked with grit and grime, and his body looked like it belonged to the filth in which he lived. I mean, can you imagine? Everywhere you look on him, you see scars and scabs and sores because night and day he was continually cutting his flesh with stones, as if he was hoping that. He would bleed the demons out from his body to give them a way of escape. I mean, can you imagine how horrible and unclean this man looked? But he was also very unbalanced. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, he, he, he probably had a crazed look in his eye, don't you know? Oh, come on. This man's living among the tombs. 
running around screaming night and day, cutting himself with stones. I I mean, this crazed look, driven mad by the demons that possessed him. And he no longer spoke. I mean, he no longer carried on conversations with people. He only opened his mouth to to scream and and cry with inhuman uh, noises and to run people off and scare people away. But it also says he was unclothed. Uh, Mark tells us that after this encounter with Jesus that he set their clothes. It says there in verse number 15. Luke in his account of this, he puts it much more bluntly. He states that when the man ran up to them that he wore no clothes. So this man is unclothed. Running around in the tombs. Filthy, dirty, nasty. Scabs, cuts all over him. Rejected by society completely. No hope for that guy. We can't help him. That's this man's condition. That's where he was. And that's what, draw, that's what draws our eyes to him. I, I mean, we can't, we can't but help to stare at him in a mixture of fear and, and fascination and disgust at what he had become. And, and seeing him, we can understand to an extent why others had rejected him. I mean, it had to be a scary sight. As you walked up to the edge of those tombs, a graveyard, and, and this man would come about. I mean, it had to be scary. It had to be scary. He, he was beyond the help of man. And he was beyond the hope of man when Jesus went to meet him. He was at a place where man couldn't help him. When Jesus went to see him. And that's the truth that's so easily missed in this story. I I mean, before we read of this man in the depths of depravity into which he had sunk, the Bible mentions Jesus. No, verse number two right there. And when he, Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Grace comes through a person. I was saved by grace. John chapter 1 verse 17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 says, God has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, listen, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know this for sure. God has always been a gracious God. He's always been a gracious God. When Jesus came into this world 2,000 plus years ago, He made visible the love and grace of God in a very personal way, such had never been seen before. And it was seen in the sinless life of Jesus. As He lived faultlessly in all the ways in which you and I fail. Faultless. And the whole thing is, is if, if it were not for our failures, we wouldn't need grace. There'd be no need for it. And, and while I'm sure that being around Jesus could be very convicting, He did not come to condemn us with His goodness. He came to rescue us from our sinfulness. If we could work our way to heaven, why did Jesus die on the cross? 
If we could be good enough to get to heaven, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he shed his blood? Why did he have to give his life? Why did he lay in the tomb uh, dead for three days? I, I don't know if we could be good enough or give enough or be baptized enough or join enough churches or whatever. Why did Jesus have to do and go through what he went through? No, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. And there's not anybody in here anyone in here that could be good enough to ever get to heaven without the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. He came to rescue us from our sinfulness. He came to rescue us. And it was also seen in the miracle working love of Jesus. I mean, miracles like this one. I'm talking about taking a life that others had written off as hopeless and making all things new. I love it. I love it. And I pray it this way often, Brother Jake. I pray this way often. Lord, please do something I can't take credit for. Please do something that no man can take credit for. Come on, he's still in the miracle working business. He's still in the soul saving business. I'm telling you, and he can change lives completely. And again, it was seen in the sacrificial death of Christ, taking the punishment we deserve to give us forgiveness, the forgiveness we desperately needed. Grace comes to us through a person, through a person. And I must say that that person is not Muhammad. That person is not Buddha. It's not a priest. It's not the Pope. It's through Jesus Christ. He alone is the source of all grace that God has to give. He alone. Excuse me, but grace also comes to us on purpose. On purpose. No, in verse 2 again there, it, it says... And there met him. And there met him. That word met means go out to meet. Like somebody keeping an appointment. Or going on, purp uh, going on purpose. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And as you study it, the tense of the verb tells us that this was the only meeting of this man and Jesus in this condition. This, this man went to meet Jesus. No doubt, just because he saw Jesus and the disciples coming off the ship. What are these people doing? Come on, he had scared a lot of people away from those tombs. But this was his one and only opportunity to encounter the Savior. And, and it wasn't the man, listen, it wasn't the man that initiated this, it was Jesus. You understand? No, Jesus came to where he was. Now when, no, no, when Jesus came to where he was, he came to meet him. But it was Jesus that initiated it. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know about you before you got saved, but I wasn't looking for God. I didn't go looking for Jesus. Oh no, he came looking for me. No, by letter, by visits, by people talking. No, no, I wasn't looking for him. He came looking for me. I'm thankful he did. I'm thankful I had an encounter with him. I'm thankful that he cared enough for me. For me. I don't understand it still. Why he cared enough for me, but he did. He came looking for me. And I'm telling you, no, no, no. He's still in that business today. He's still looking for those that need him. Surely he is. I promise you it is. Yeah. Verse 1 says, and they came over. So we know this for sure. Come on. Jesus went over there on purpose. 
come on. Okay, okay, look up here. No. Okay, let's clarify something. Jesus was God in the flesh. Oh, absolutely. So while he was here on earth, he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't just going, hmm, oh, where do we go next? Oh, come on. Okay, Peter, you got a coin. We'll flip a coin. So where we go next? No, he knew. He went on purpose. No, he knew that guy was in the tombs. Okay, just like he knows you're sitting here this morning. He knew this man was in the tombs. And he knew his need. And he went there on purpose to meet this man. And receive this man in in, in, in his condition to bring him the soul-saving, life-changing grace of God. This horrible man who's rejected by society. This horrible man that nobody wants anything to do with. He purposed to go meet him. You know, grace doesn't bypass the guilty because they're guilty. And, and grace doesn't bypass the old because they're old. And grace doesn't bypass the wicked because they're wicked. In fact, grace doesn't bypass anyone for any reason for which we might reject them. Grace received this man. Grace did. But it also released this man from the devils that sought to destroy him. I know where we live in this world today and the thoughts of people today, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not at all afraid to tell you this morning that the devil is real. He's very real. They've tried to make a cartoon out of him. They've tried to make something funny out of him. They've tried to air condition hell and all these different things. But I'm telling you, the devil's real. And he uses his power and his influence to wreck lives. He loves to wreck lives. No, I know it for a fact because I've been there. Yeah. And he hates men. He hates mankind because every man is made in the image of the one who he hates the most of all, and that is God. Man was created in the, uh, a man was created in the image of God. So he hates us because we were created in God's image. He hates God the most. But he hates us. The blame for all the violence, the moral perversion and corruption, and all the effects of crack and meth and heroin and what was once rightfully called demon whiskey can be laid at the feet of the devil. He came to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he's done a pretty good job. Somebody say amen right there. I hate that he has, but he has. He has. And he's still hard at work today. I'm telling you, when God is shot, uh, when God is shut out of a nation, the devil's going to quickly rush in to fill that void. And I believe that's one of the big reasons we see our culture sinking into an increasingly barbaric state. And just getting worse and worse and worse. I believe that more and more people are in the the grip of satanic corruption. They are in the grip of things that will eventually destroy their lives completely. 
Truly, we see it daily. Over and over. And I'm so glad today to be able to tell people that the grace of God is just as available today to release them from the grip of the devil and to to give us the forgiveness and freedom that we need. It's just as available today as it was back in this day. It's just as available. And then it's something the devils, they fought for this man. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we see the power of their influence for sure. Verse number three says, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. And so he had, the devil had great influence. And then we see their pleas that they made to Christ. Look at verse number seven. And cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Verse number 10. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country, these devils. Now here's a very serious side. Please stay with me on this. Here's a very serious side of demonic influence. Satan fights to keep those he has conquered. He fights to keep them. And that's why those in bondage to immorality or sexual perversion or drugs or alcohol, most all of them feel that it's impossible to get free. Well, how do you know that? I lived it. Because I lived it. That's why I published my testimony in tract form. Because I want people out there that are in bondage to those types of sin to understand there is hope. They don't have to remain in that life the rest of their days. That lifestyle. They don't have to do that. And I really believe that that is why the people that are in such bondage often resist the efforts of those who try to help them. Why, preacher? Because of the demonic influence. Because when Satan conquers, he fights to keep what he has conquered. Okay. I really really want you to get this and to understand this. I can't believe you're talking about devils and demons and Satan and all that stuff. He's real. He's very, very real. And he's very subtle. And he works in a lot of different ways. And he destroys lives daily. Many, many lives daily. And once he has conquered somebody, once he has got somebody in the grips of sin, he works hard to try to keep them in the grips because he came to kill and steal and destroy. And he's still hard at work today. But Jesus freed this man. He freed him. Verse number 15 says, and, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Jesus freed him. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, and, and we sing a lot of songs how Jesus sets us free, and I'm thankful for that. But the Bible says that Jesus makes us free. He makes us free. 
I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the victory that I've had in the Lord since I've gotten saved. I'm very thankful for that. But He has made me free. He's made me free. Not just set me free. He has made me free. And keeps me free by His power and by His Word. Because see, grace confronts us. It confronts us. What do you mean, preacher? You don't know that you need grace until you know your condition and that you admit that you're hopeless. I had to come to that place where I knew there was no other way. There was no other out. There was no, 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 there was nothing else. I, I, I had to realize my condition and I had to admit that it was just hopeless. Uh, if, if you think that you're basically okay, that you're doing fine on your own, that you can make it on your own with just a little more effort, just a little more help. If I just had a little more help, if I put some more effort into it, I am here to tell you this morning, you will never experience the freedom and the change that grace can bring. Because first thing that we have to admit is that we can't do it on our own. And that we do need God. And that we do need the gift of eternal life that God has for us through Jesus Christ, His Son. Grace confronts us. It confronts us. It shows us the hopelessness of our own condition. But once we come to that place, grace changes us. I love this story. This man's peace was restored. His peace was restored. It said he's sitting there with Jesus. He's sitting there. No, no, before he's running, can't stop. And now he's sitting. His peace was restored. I know that you've been here a long time. You've heard me say it over and over. But I'm telling you, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me after I got saved was the peace of God that passes understanding. I'd never experienced that before. I'd done just about every drug that was out there, drank all the booze I could drink. I mean, I've, I've, I, 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 no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not proud of that. I'm, not, uh, I'm telling you, I, okay, let me put it this way. I tried everything the world has to offer, and I never could find the peace that I got when I met Jesus Christ. He gave me a peace that I still have today. And knowing Him and having that great hope and knowing that I have a home reserved in heaven and knowing that He is still working in my life trying to get me to that place that He wants me to be. Knowing that even when I do fail along the way that He's there for me, ready to help me. Knowing if I stumble and fall, He's there to pick me up and help me on. I mean, a great peace. This man, his peace was restored. He's sitting there. But his purity was renewed also. He was clothed. Was clothed. Man, better get clothed. Better get covered up. But his perspective was right also. He was in his right mind. I was talking to someone here just recently that has been recently saved. And they were talking about seeing things different. And feeling different about different things in their life since they'd gotten saved. I remember that. Anybody else remember that? I remember that. Saved at the age of 27. All of a sudden my world's turned upside down just completely different. And the way that I had seen things before was not the way that I was seeing them then. No, I was finally in my right mind. Seeing things the way that God wanted me to see things. Well, I'm telling you, grace changes things. It, it makes a huge, huge difference. This, this, this man, he was, 
He was... And how in the world are we supposed to account for this immediate and powerful change that took place in this, in this man's life? I mean, it was only because of, the, uh, of his encounter with the Savior. It was only because of his encounter with God's transforming grace. Transforming grace. John Newton said this, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm thankful. No, no, no. God's still hard at work at my life. I promise you that's true. I'm not standing up here acting like I've arrived because I've not arrived. He's still hard at work in my life, but I'm thankful I'm not what I once was. Grace received this man and released this man and renewed him also. It renewed him. Stay with me just a few more minutes. It renewed him to live a life of meaning and purpose. He now had purpose and meaning in his life. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. Uh... And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel the thing that first caught my eye about this story is that he wanted to go with Jesus (laughs) I love it oh master can I just go with you I want to go wherever you're going well you don't know where I'm going don't care I don't care I just want to go with you come on come on can you hear his heart in this I just want to go with you He begged to go with Jesus. And, and, and why not? I mean, Jesus had done something for him that no one else was able to do. He changed his life. I, I think it'd be safe to say among the many things that motiva- motivated this man to desire to be and go with Jesus was his gratitude. Are you still with me? His gratitude for what God had done. I want to go with you. But Jesus wouldn't allow it. Well, how come, preacher? Because he wanted this man's family to know of the change that God had made in his life. He wanted the man's friends to know about the change in his life. Do you ever use your imagination when you read your Bible? Can you imagine this guy showing up at his mom and dad's door? Oh, come on, what a homecoming. I mean, standing there telling him my life's been changed. I'm not who I once was. Why? 
How in the world did this happen? I met this man. His name is Jesus. His friends meeting him on the street. Now all cleaned up, polished up. Oh, still bearing the scars of his sinful life. But a different person. A different spirit. A different attitude. A different lifestyle. Are y'all following me here? Oh no, come on. No, 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 no. This isn't just some fairy tale that was made up. This really happened. This really happened. And this guy went back to his family and he went back to his friends and they were had to be absolutely amazed at what happened. <clears throat> I remember not long not long after I got saved and, and going and visiting a friend and really hadn't changed that much, I guess, on the outside at that point. But I remember walking in and, hey, how's it going? Shaking hands, whatever that is. And here's what that friend said. You look different. There had pretty much not been a day gone by since I was 15 or 16 years old that I wasn't high or drunk or something. And now I'm completely straight. My eyes are bright again. I mean, I, go, I guarantee you there was hope on my face. You look different. I said, I am different. I met Jesus. And He changed my life. Because He's in the life-changing business. I cannot hardly imagine the fascination of his family and his friends as they saw how different he was. And don't you know, as he published that reason why he was different, telling people about Jesus Christ and how he had met him, how he had come to him, how, how, how he had given him peace, how he had given him new life. I mean, can you imagine how it must have spread? I got saved by the grace of God and I wanted everybody to know it. Most didn't understand it. I think 37 years later, there's probably some still going, well, let's see how long this lasts. <laughs> well, it's lasted 37 years. I'm working on 38. You know, a lot of people think that they have to change to be saved. They have this idea, well, if I'm going to be saved, I have to clean up my life and I have to clean my life before I can come to God. Oh, no, no, the opposite is true. We have to, we have to be saved to change. I came to God just the way I was.
And as God changes our lives, He merely wants us to do something simple. Or what's that, preacher? He wants us to tell our friends and family what He's done. Because I'm telling you, there's no greater miracle than salvation. Come on. There's no greater miracle than a soul being saved from sin. But how are people going to know if we don't share it? If we're not telling people. I don't know where you might be in your life. I don't know who in here is saved or lost. I'm not going to try to judge that. It's not my job. I'm not going to try to do that. Only God can convince us as we are willing to admit that we need Him. Only God can convince us and draw us to that place where we realize we need Jesus Christ as our Savior. But here's the key. No, look up here. Here's the key. Once He convinces us of that, we've got to make a move. No, we have to move. He's, he, no, no, he won't, he'll not. He'll, no, no, he'll, he'll come to meet with us. But we have to go to him. Just like this man went to him. To accept him. And what he has to offer us. And there might be someone in here this morning that's never done that. They've never done that. Well, I'm telling you, today would be a good day to do that. It's not something we want to put off because we don't know how long we have. And it's not good enough that we've just made a profession of faith or that we've been baptized or that we've joined a church or whatever. We need to know that we know that we know that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. No, no, we, we, no, no, we have to know that there's been that time that we met Him. And again, and I'm not afraid to say it again, once you're truly saved by God's grace, things will change in your life to some extent. He's in the life-changing business. It might be that uh, you're here this morning and you're just, you're saved. You know you're saved. I mean, you know you're saved. You can go back to that place that you trusted Christ as your Savior and you know without a doubt that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. But maybe you've lost some peace or maybe you've lost some joy or maybe you've just lost the thrill of telling people that you're saved. Maybe it's time to let that transforming grace work in your life once again. Because it's there. Just allowing Him to make us who He wants us to be. Instead of remaining and being who we want to be. I don't know what your need is this morning, but I can guarantee you this. God's saving grace is real. And if you'll come to Him, He will save you. No, no, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's paid the price with His only begotten Son all those years ago on that old rugged cross. I'm thankful for transforming grace. Brother Terry, I just don't ever want it to stop. I just want to keep 
allowing him to work in my life as only he can work. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. There might be someone here that would say, Preacher, I am not sure if I died today that I would go to heaven. I am not sure that I've ever truly trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm just, I don't have it settled in my own heart, my own life. Preacher, would you mind to just pray for me? Would you, would you do that? Boy, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. You're here like that today. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you? Right there. God bless you, ma'am. I, I see your hand. Thank you so much for that. Others, right there, sir. God bless you. I appreciate your honesty. You may put your hand down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. I want to pray. Others, others here, you, you, need to, you didn't raise your hand before you want to. Let me pray for you. I, I can't get saved for you. But I'd sure like to pray for you. I'd like to do that. Anybody else before we move on? I just don't want to miss anyone. The most important thing we'll ever know before we leave this earth is that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. It's so vitally important. It's so important. Anyone else? Yeah, preacher, that's me. I'm not sure that I've ever trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? I'd like to. Anyone else before we move on? Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you'd be willing to say, Preacher, I have uh, quit allowing that transforming grace to work in my life. Somewhere along the way, I quit allowing it to work. I mean, I know God saved me and, and there was a change. There was a change. But somewhere along the way, I don't know, I put on the brakes, did something, I don't know. But I've quit allowing that transforming grace to work in my life. And I know it. And I know I need to do something about that. Preacher, would you pray with me about that? Well, I'd like to do that. Our heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around. Would you let me pray with you like that? Yeah, preacher, I know that I need to let God's grace, transforming grace, work in my life. Would you, would you pray with me about that? God bless you. I appreciate your honesty. There are others. You didn't raise your hand before. Come on. Let me pray with you. Would you would just let me pray with you. I just want to pray for you just want to pray for you. Others right there, God bless you. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's do that, okay? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Now, Heavenly Father, we pray for those in here that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We pray, dear God, that they would come even today. And that they, they they would... that they would come to you even today, that they would come this morning, that they would allow us to take a Bible and show them how that can all be nailed down, it can be settled. I I, I pray for them, Lord. You've touched their heart. You've convinced them that's what they need. Now I pray, Father, that they they would come to you. Lord, continue to work in their life. Convict them and convince them that that it's, it's something they've got to take care of. And then for the hands, Lord, you're working in people's lives, been trying to work in people's lives, and maybe they've just put the brakes on. I know one thing, your grace is still real and available to each of them. And I pray for them, and I lift them up to you, and I, I pray, dear God, that you would uh, give them strength and guidance. I pray that your spirit... Um, that still small voice would be very real in their life. I pray the Bible would come alive to them again. I, I, I pray their, their heart for you, uh, Lord, would be stronger each day. 
as they pursue allowing that transforming grace to work. Father, whatever needs to happen around the altars this morning, we pray that it will. Lord, might your perfect will be done. We ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, the altars open. Some have already come and you need to come. You raised your hand, I prayed for you. If you come this morning, there'll be someone to meet you down here and be happy to show you how you can get that all settled in your life. We'd sure love to do that. We'd love to do that. Whatever God wants to do in your life, I, I, I wish you'd allow that. Let Him have His way. Talk to Him about His transforming grace. Whatever He wants. Whatever He wants to do.